God is good. And I just, uh, my heart is full as I look out and see all these people who are desiring something better. My heart is full as I hear those young people singing and I realize that there's hope for the future of agriculture and Adventism. So for those who haven't been here the last few days, and even for those who have, a review is a good thing. So I want to just spend a few minutes reviewing what we've talked about. On Thursday night, we talked about from best to worst. And we looked at this quote which said, the more nearly we come into harmony with God's original plan, the more favorable will be our position to secure health of body and mind and soul. That's powerful. That is a recipe for health. So then we looked at the components of that original plan. What did that original plan look like? And then we looked at history and showed how that plan was largely followed by God's people until the beginning of the time of the end that's talked about in Daniel 12, around the end of the 1700s. And then we looked at how the Industrial Revolution shattered this Edenic model and caused a widespread turning away from it. And I suggested, I'm not going to say with all certainty, but it certainly looks to me like it was actually a counterattack by the devil to the renewed interest in Bible prophecy and Bible study that was taking place then. I suggested that we needed to view progress through God's eyes and have some healthy skepticism towards it. You know, it's amazing to me sometimes how we seem to just embrace whatever new technology comes along as if, if it's new, it's got to be better, right? But maybe, you know, I mean, we, we seem to look at it as if it's all a gift from God, but maybe we need to analyze whether it's a gift from somebody else. Last night, we looked at the paradox that God's ways are humbler, harder, but yet better. And I suggested that rather than looking at what great things you can do for God that maybe we should focus on doing the humble and hard things with an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving for the privilege of being a servant, remembering that Jesus set the perfect example of servanthood. And now for this morning, we want to focus on something better. But before we do that, I want to pray. 
Our dear Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you for your presence, your spirit that has been here at this conference. I thank you for each one who's here. I thank you for the convictions that you have put on their hearts. I thank you for the steps that they are taking to to find something better, to come back more into harmony with your original perfect plan. And now, Lord, today, as we share this worship hour together, I plead with you one more time to send your Spirit to speak through me and to guide and control my mind and my lips. I pray for those who are listening that they will not be distracted, that they will hear the message that you have for them. And I pray most of all, Lord, that we will not just be hearers of the word, but that we will be doers. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Something better is the watchword of education, the law of all true living. Whatever Christ asks us to renounce, he offers in its stead something better. Do you believe it? It's the spring of 1994 in Kibadula, Tanzania, East Africa. My wife and I, those who were here last night, I shared, we we spent six years in Kenya, and we were on, this was was 94, we were leaving to go permanent return in a few months, and we were really seeking God's direction. But on the spring break that the school had, we traveled down to Tanzania from Kenya. My brother Edwin and his wife Jennifer and family were living at Kibadula at the time, and so it was just a chance to get away. Uh, Those of you who have worked in boarding academies, you know that at times you just have to get away. Otherwise, you can't carry on. Now, the life that Edwin and Jennifer, I, I, I think things maybe have changed some at Kibadula since we were there. Beautiful location, a 5,000 acre farm up in the highlands of Tanzania. Uh, but back then, they lived a life of stern simplicity. We heard that last night about stern simplicity. No running water, no electricity pit toilets, but you know, it just felt so real to me. I felt like I was actually really living life. I was invigorated by the rigors 
of this simple life. And I kept saying to my wife, honey, this, this is just really living. She wasn't quite so convinced. Um, we had two children in diapers at that point and um, washing cloth diapers by hand was not really inspiring her at that point. But at night, we sat in the living room by lantern light and listened to cassette tapes. You all remember cassette tapes? About the testimony of a family that had sold out on the great American dream, sold their business, sold their big fancy home, and moved to Montana to find God and rebuild their family. I was enthralled, and I was also convicted. Um, I had never really been convinced about the great American dream. I just always felt like there must be something better. But you know, the reality is when you're kind of in the middle of it, you don't realize there are other options. And so to hear this testimony, it was so empowering. It was like, wow, we could actually do that. We don't have to just continue life like everybody else. We could actually just jump off this fast-moving train and do our own thing. And it was incredibly empowering. We were just not content with life as usual. The Lord had put a longing in our heart for something better, and now we were faced with the question, what were we willing to renounce in order to find this something better? We went outside. Sorry, you can tell this is a, um, this is a this was a turning point in our lives. Went outside and under the incredible African night sky, only those who've been there know what it's like. And with God and millions of stars as our witness. We pledged to do whatever it took to see our family in the kingdom. Have you made that pledge? Have you felt that longing for something better? You who in heart long for something better than this world can give, recognize this longing as the voice of God to your soul. You want something better than this world can give? That's God moving on your heart. If we're longing for more of this world, that's not God. But if we're longing for something better than this world has to offer, that is the voice of God to our souls.
You know, I think too often as conservative Adventist Christians, we have focused on the renounce part of that something better quote. Um, let's just go back to that. Oops. Whatever Christ asks us to renounce, we stop there. And, um, you know, with our kids, we're, no, can't do that. Uh-uh, can't watch that. No, we're not going to go there. What does that do to your children? Does that make them want something better? If something better is equated with no's? I remember going to a church once, a little conservative church, and our children were little, and we had felt books for them, quiet books, you know, they call them to do during church just to try to keep them occupied and keep them quiet. And there was a family sitting in the pew in front of us that had a little girl who um, kept turning around and looking back longingly at those felt books. And her mother kept making her turn around and telling her to be quiet and, and, and listen. And they had a little boy who, you know, boys tend to be, uh, it's a little harder for them to sit still. And um, the father was just um, very zealous in trying to get that little boy to sit still. And, you know, I'm not saying we were doing everything the right way, because I'm sure we weren't, but it didn't seem quite right to us that um, these young children were being made to, forced to kind of fit into this rigid mold. Anyway, the point of the story is that this church was not too far from where we live, and so we, the long and short of the story is those children, as soon as they got of age, um, left home, left the church, and are living in the world. What's even more sad is, well, I don't know that it's more sad, but what adds to the sadness is the parents did too. It's not just about renouncing the world. If, it's, if we're not offering something better, you're better off. You, you know the story about, uh, where is it? Let's see here. Matthew twelve forty three to 45, the story of the house that swept and emptied. What happens to an empty house? Spirits return, the spirit returns with seven more. You know, if we're going to just renounce the world, but not find something better, 
your kids are better off just living uh, a mediocre life. Um, parents, don't take something away unless you have something better to put in its place. You know, we learned this years ago as the replacement principle. If you, uh, if you don't want them playing with their trucks on Sabbath, what are you going to give them to do? You know, if you don't want them um, going, going out when they're teenagers to spend time with their friends, you better make sure that home is an attractive enough place where they want to bring their friends there. And let me just put in a little plug for farm life. Uh, my, my kids never wanted to go visit other people because it was never as fun. They love for, for families to come and visit us because then we had the whole farm to explore. And that's, that's just the beauty of farm life you know, you don't have to tell your kids, now you can't go outside and play. You kind of sometimes have to push them out. Come on, go play. We need a little space. Um, it's wonderful. But I'm not here to, to convince you all to become farmers. But if you do, that would be great. Um, Something better often requires sacrifice. Do you believe that? How can it be something better if it hurts? Well, we kind of talked about that last night. It can be humbling and hard, but it's all for something better in the long run. It's like, it's like um, athletes. You know, they go through a lot of pain and a lot of struggle and hardship because they have their eyes focused on something better. We're too short-sighted. We're focused on the present, forgetting about the future. Sometimes the sacrifices feel like, like you're having to take a step backwards, that you're not progressing. Well, sometimes it may be a step backwards, but maybe that step backwards is going to put you two steps forward. Talking about sacrifice, how many of you would like to cut off your hand or pluck out your eye? Does that sound like fun? But what if that was the only way to eternal life? How many of you would do it? Are you doing it? You remember the story a few years ago about that, uh, I think he was a long distance runner or something out west, out in the desert, and somehow a big boulder fell on and trapped his arm. You remember that? And he was out far enough where there was nobody to get help, you know, call for help. And he actually cut off his arm with his pocket knife. Does that sound like fun? 
Does that sound like sacrifice? But he lived. Jesus says it's better to enter into the kingdom of heaven with only one hand or with only one eye than to miss out. What sacrifices are you willing to make? How many are willing to sell all that they have and give to the poor? If that's what it takes to enter heaven. The rich young ruler wasn't willing. Are we? What is it worth to you to find something better? And I just want to encourage you this morning that the devil would like to overwhelm us with all the changes that need to take place. You've come here, you've been bombarded with information, hopefully you've been convicted, you've, you've been encouraged that you need to make changes in your life, and the devil would like to make you just feel like, there's no way, I, I can't do this. Well, that's true, you can't. But we don't want you to leave feeling overwhelmed. We want you to leave feeling convicted and encouraged to start. Just start somewhere with something. And then continue to strive for something better. I want to right now just briefly go through those seven components of the Eden plan that we talked about on Thursday night. And let's just talk a little bit about what it would take to come more in harmony with that plan, to find something better. First of all, we talked about the location. What was the ideal location? Where did God create man to live? In the garden. But some of you are still living in the city. So the question is, What's your next step? You know, maybe it's just going to the park and walking every day, surrounded by trees and bushes and birds. That's something better, right? Maybe it's uh, putting your house on the market. Trusting that God's leading. Wives, are you willing to live in a travel trailer for something better? Was that a nervous laugh? <laughs> you think God might ask that of you? What about occupation? What was the, the Edenic ideal? What did God create man to do? Tend the garden. Maybe you're not there yet. If you're still in the city, maybe something better for you right now is some 
pots with tomatoes growing in them on your patio. Start with something better. Learn how to tend a tomato plant on your patio. And when you do get to the country, you'll have a head start. Husbands, are you willing to change careers if necessary? I'm amazed at how many seem to feel prisoners of circumstances. You know, well, I'd, I'd love to do that, but I can't. I'm, I'm tied to, I got to be right here. Who says you have to be right there? You can choose. God gave us the power of choice. You can choose to live wherever you want. Did you know that? You can choose to quit a job or change careers. Or maybe it's cutting back on work. How much do you really need to live on? If you knew how much we lived on, you'd ask how. <laughs> um, but you can choose something better. You can choose to live by principle and not circumstance. That was another little motto of ours. I've shared a few, I think. You know, we had the motto about the more quiet and simple the life of, our, of the child. That was our child-rearing motto. Um, but our motto for deciding what we should and shouldn't do in life was live by principle and not circumstance. If God says we should do it, we need to do it. Whether we can see the way through the Red Sea or not, right? Or the Jordan, you put your, you put your foot in the water and trust that he's going to open it up. Young people, are you willing to sacrifice your cherished career choice for something better. I'm not telling you what God is going to call you to. As I said last night, we, need, we don't need just farmers. We certainly need a whole lot more farmers. I feel like that is one of the greatest need in, needs in Adventism today is educated farmers. If I counted up all the people calling me, asking where they can find a farmer, I'd have to use a calculator, I think, to add it up. Um, there's a huge need. When it comes to occupation, what are you willing to do for something better. Family life. What was the Edenic ideal? A man, a male, and a female living together in marriage. Um, God said it's not good to be alone. 
And I suggested that I don't think it's, it's not just good for man to be alone, but it's not good for woman to be alone. Well, we know that because woman got into trouble when she was alone. It's not good for children to be alone. God designed families to live together. And now, you know, technology is separating families even when they are together. When you drive somewhere, you know, it used to be that you played games in the car or you read stories. Now what do you do? You know, now a lot of cars have their own video player. You know, the kids can watch their own video or everybody's on their phones texting. Um, it's not just about being physically together. It's about being emotionally together. Young people, are you willing to sacrifice your smartphone if that's what it takes? Or what about deleting your Facebook account if God convicts? What are we willing to renounce for something better? Education. We didn't talk a lot about these last ones, but we know that in the garden, what was, what was the model? What was the textbook? Nature. Who was the instructor? God. And the... Adam and Eve were the students. Nature was the textbook, but we know, of course, after the fall, um, God knew we needed another way for him to communicate to us, and so he gave us the Bible. Much of education today, and, and thank God for our schools, I don't want anyone to think that I'm downing Adventist education because I believe God has a plan for it and a place for it. Much of our education, and I'm speaking generally here, is man's philosophies. Even, even religion. When you take, I took religion. And so much of it is what somebody else thinks about what the Bible says, instead of what does the Bible actually say. And I'm not suggesting that the Bible and nature should be the only textbooks, but I am suggesting that they should be our primary textbooks. So what can we do to move towards that? We had a, a talk the other day with a lot of good suggestions on our education. Maybe for you at this point, it's getting rid of the fiction that your children are reading. That's something better. Maybe it's adding gardening into the curriculum where they spend an hour outside in the garden every day. That is something better. Wherever you find yourself, God is calling you to something better.
diet. Let's talk about diet for a minute. What was the original diet? What was God's ideal plan? Fruits, grains, nuts, and vegetables prepared in as natural state as possible. That's the ideal. Are you there? Maybe for you, something better right now is cutting out animal products. Praise God, that's, that's a big step. That's something better. Maybe it's leaving off refined sugar. Maybe it's uh, leaving off coffee. What's with coffee? How come it seems like all of a sudden it's okay to drink coffee in Adventist circles? The only thing we should be addicted to is God. We should never be able to get enough of him. So what is God calling you to this morning when it comes to diet? How can you find something better? Number six, dominion. You know, the ideal, God's ideal for man was that man was to have dominion over the plants and the animals and the earth. Of course, man kind of forfeited that when, uh, when he chose to eat the fruit. But God wants to bring us back into dominion over the earth. So maybe for you, your dominion right now is your backyard. Why don't you choose to take dominion of your backyard? Say, we're going to turn this yard into a garden. And we're going to make it as close to the Garden of Eden as we possibly can. You know, um, did I tell you we live in a barn? We live in a barn. A barn that somebody declared to us was unfit for human habitation. And we've lived there for how many years? Over 10, 11 years. We're still alive. <laughs> we don't sleep in the straw. Uh, it's a little better than that. But one thing I love about it, we live on the second floor of the barn my bedroom window, well, we have two windows. I kind of have my window and my wife has hers. It looks out on my dominion. I look out and see our whole farm that we're cultivating. I love it. It's so, um, it makes you feel like a man. This is my dominion. 
What is God calling you to? He's wanting us to take back dominion of the earth. You know, when Christ died on the cross, he, he took Satan's dominion back. But Satan's still struggling for it. He likes to think it's still his. But in our own little sphere, we can regain that dominion. And then the last component of the ideal plan was Sabbath rest. What's the ideal? I like to think of it as a 24-hour date with our creator, our lover, our best friend. It should be the sweetest time of the week. If our children dread Sabbath, we haven't done a very good job with the replacement principle. We need to work harder. And, and I, I know it's not easy. You know, parents, when Sabbath comes, all you want to do is crash, right? But that doesn't work for kids. They want to be going and doing, especially when you have four boys. But for you, maybe where you're at, something better right now is just having sundown worship on Friday night. If you haven't been doing that, that's something better. That's entering more into the Sabbath rest. What is God calling you to this morning when it comes to the Sabbath? So, as I shared last night, the, the Lord called us to farm. But we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we tried. We, we really did try to, to do our research. And we looked around to see the needs in the local area. And there had been one um, strawberry farm, pick your own strawberry farm, but it was like an hour away from us. That was the closest one we could find. And, you know, everybody likes strawberries, and it's easy to sell strawberries, so we thought, wow. Well, and this, this one farm, the, the farmer was getting out of it. He was old, and he said, this is my last year. And we thought, well, wow, hey, let's grow strawberries. Well, you know, what we didn't know was strawberries actually are in my opinion, one of the more difficult crops to grow. So we started out, we did all the math, you know, we called local strawberry growers, well, local as in the state, said, you know, how much do you get from an acre of strawberries? How many pints or quarts do you get? And, you know, we tried to figure it all out. What do you think about growing organic strawberries? Organic strawberries? What do you mean by organic? This was back when you had to explain the term. Well, you know, without synthetic sprays, chemicals. Uh, I don't think you can do that around here. Um, 
Anyway, we did it. I told you we did everything the hard way. We did plastic culture, organic plastic culture strawberries without plastic. Um, and the first year was a disaster because without the plastic, as soon as we planted them in the fall, the weeds started growing. But we were so green. And, you know, again, we tried, but there's a lot you got to learn to grow stuff. It's a steep learning curve. Um, and a, a friend of ours who had gardens said, you know, the, the weeds start growing. This is in September. And they said, oh, you don't have to worry about those. The frost will kill them. <laughs> and, you know, we believed them. I think it was because we just wanted to believe them. <laughs> it, was, it was easier than trying to deal with all the weeds. An acre... If you're not a farmer, an acre is a big piece of ground. 17,000 strawberry plants we planted by hand. Um, so the weeds grew, the strawberries grew, the frost came, and the weeds continued to grow. And by that point, and this, these were like, you know, the winter weeds, the ones with the big matted root systems. Those of you who are farmers know what I'm talking about. Once they're established, you can't just go out there and hold them out, at least not very easily. And so the reality struck that, oh no, we've got an acre of strawberries and it's full of weeds. At this point, I was still working off the farm some, whatever the Lord provided as far as work goes. So I didn't have, you know, like all day, every day to devote to this. Anyway, long story short, that first crop was just a total write-off. We were able to reclaim about 100 feet of row which was enough to provide us with a few strawberries come spring. But we didn't even begin to cover our expenses. Um, so anyway, I don't want to bore you with the details, but the next year, the Lord provided. You know, it was like, okay, Lord, we tried farming, didn't work. But he said no. You're not getting off that easy. And so uh, we were able to, the Lord provided the money to replant. We replanted again the next fall. And we said, that is not going to happen again. And we were diligent. We cultivated and cultivated. And still, we only managed to, to keep about two-thirds of the acre um, well-cultivated. You know, as soon as you mulch it with straw, you can't cultivate, and then you're down to hand-weeding, and that's, that's a lot of work. So anyway, second year, we just we tried to learn from all the mistakes we made the first year, and 
the Lord blessed. The plants looked great. You know, we we worked our we worked hard. Um, and the next spring, they started flowering, and we're saying, "Praise the Lord! We're going to have a crop of strawberries." Maybe hard work does pay off. And anybody who knows anything about strawberries knows that you can do everything right till spring, and then spring comes, and you've got two terrible enemies of strawberries. One is frost, and the other is rain. Either one will do you in. Believe me, we know. Um, so we didn't have enough money, you know, commercial strawberry growers use irrigation to frost protect. That's the way you do it. As you spray the field, the water freezes, and as it freezes, it, it releases heat. Very simple physics, but it actually works amazingly. But we didn't have enough money for, for setting up an irrigation system so we were able to scrape together enough money to get floating row covers to cover the field. And so that was our only defense against frost. <clears throat> so I don't remember the date, but it would have been in uh, probably end of March, beginning of April. The, the strawberry field was in full bloom. Just, you know, it was just such a gratifying sight to look out there and see thousands of white blooms and to know that each bloom was going to turn into a big, beautiful berry that was going to turn into dollars <laughs> that we could actually live on the next year. And then the weather forecast said we were going to have going to have a frost. And so we did everything we knew to do. We pulled out the row cover, covered it all, marched around the field, prayed to the Lord, said, Lord, please, you know we've done everything we can. Do what we can't do. You know, floating row covers, depending on the weight of them, they can, they can give about, well, from like four degrees to six degrees, six or eight degrees, depending on the weight, that much protection. But the next morning when we got up and looked at the thermometer, it was 24 degrees. And my heart sank. But we were trusting God. And after the frost had burned off, we went out to the field, Pam and I, we didn't want to take the kids out because we didn't know what we were going to face. We went out there and took the sandbags off and pulled back the row cover 
And guess what we saw? A field of black flowers. Thousands of black flowers. And it was just like somebody stuck a knife in me. It's like, all this for this. Sorry, I'm crying. I told you, humbler and harder is painful, but yet it's better. So, as you can imagine, Pam and I are just wrestling with, with the Lord, saying, Lord, what is going on here? You know, I, I don't like to talk at times like that, so I just, had to, I just had to walk off. And I'm just thinking, Lord, you know, we did this because we thought you were leading us to it. We, we told everybody you were leading us to it. You know, this is not only making us look like fools, but it's kind of making you look like a fool. Um, you know, I mean, this is the second crop down the drain. You know, how, how do I take care of my family? Um, and as I'm wrestling with the Lord, he speaks. He spoke to me in that still, small voice that you all have heard. And he said, John, what were you really needing? Were you needing those strawberries? Or are you needing me? What's going to support you for the next year? Those strawberries or me? And I can say that the, the weight on my shoulders lifted because we'd already had enough experience with the Lord that we knew, you know, of course, in the moment, you kind of forget. So he has to gently remind you, but we knew that he wasn't going to let us down, that he was all we needed. Beautiful experience, and let me just finish the story by saying that we, you know, to this day, we don't know what happened, but, uh, you know, whether God multiplied the flowers um, that were still coming on, we don't know what happened, but anyway, what we do know is that was one of our best crops ever. <laughs> the Lord blessed and gave us all kinds of um, media coverage. We had all the U-pickers we needed, and um, it was a wonderful experience. And, and then, get this, this is the key. Then we could share the story of God's blessing. You know, it's not just about, oh, these are, you know, the customers, these are the most amazing strawberries these taste like what 
I remember from my grandfather's place, we could say, you know, these strawberries are a gift from God. Because we really didn't expect to have any kind of crop. So, those humbler, harder trials give testimonies. That's something that my wife came up with, or maybe she didn't, somebody came up with. Trials give testimonies. So, to close this morning, I would like to suggest to you that this conference is really not about farming or gardening. As good as that may be, there's something better. Or maybe I should say there's someone better. This whole movement, this whole organization, this whole, all this counsel we've been given is really about getting us to walk with God. It's just that God's favorite place to be is in the garden. So if you want to walk with him, the best place to find him is where he likes to walk. But it's about walking with God. One more quote here. Why do we cling so closely to earth? There is something better than earth for us to talk about and think of. Something better, I'm just adding here, something better than gardens and farms to talk about and think of. We can be in a heavenly frame of mind. Oh, let us dwell upon Jesus' lovely, spotless character. And by beholding, we shall become changed to the same image. So this morning, I want to encourage you. Strive for something better. But don't ever let that striving for something better get in the way of striving for someone better. And as you learn to walk with him, you'll see that Eden's plan is something better than you've ever known. To close today, we're going to have the song leaders come up and I want to sing that song again. And I, is, it, is it sticking in your minds? You find yourself humming it, singing it through the day? I pray that as you leave this place, you will realize that God truly has something better. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.